0: Hello, welcome to Flour Butter Egg Sugar. My name is Kate and I'm the host of this podcast, which is recorded in my small London kitchen and it is all about home baking. Um, so, this month I decided to um, celebrate ingredients that you find in tins, and today's episode is going to be about tinned pear halves. Um, so, and I'm, I'm going to be also talking about a recipe. For a ginger and pear cake and how that turned out. Um, So, I'm really excited to get started on this episode, and I'm going to start by just chatting a little bit about my week in baking. Um, So, let's go. what have I been up to this week um, in terms of baking? Well, I finished watching the Junior Bake Off, which was very exciting. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I I thought that some of the challenges were a bit too hard. Um, like some of them are challenges that you would find on the grown-up Bake Off. Um, and some of them... Well, actually, quite a lot of them are things that I don't know how to bake. And I am pretty, I'm a pretty experienced home baker. Uh, So I thought that was something that I wasn't quite sure about. But the bakers themselves um, were amazing. And I thought that they were so talented and I loved their enthusiasm. And I also thought that the sort of tone of the show was really quite nice I really liked Raphneet Gill and Liam Charles as judges. So if you are in the UK and you want to watch that on Channel 4 catch-up, then I would strongly recommend it. Um, it's, it brought me a lot of joy. And then in terms of what I've actually been making, well, I have been making more chocolate chip cookies. Um, I think I spoke about them last episode, but I'm just really trying to kind of nail my sort of base cookie dough um that i can then kind of like customize how i want i think i may have got there actually um but i'm still playing around a little bit with things like the sugar levels and how different having different mix-ins affects the dough and whether you should mature it in the fridge or not um so I'm kind of still playing around with that I sort of accidentally fermented the cookie dough um that I made this week by well I put it in the fridge for like 24 hours which is fine but then I got it out of the fridge thinking oh, I'll just leave it out for a bit to kind of let it come up to room temperature and then it'll be easier to roll into balls um or it'll be easier to put some leftover ganache in because that's what I was going to do. But what ended up happening is that, because I left it out so long, I think it actually started fermenting. Um, so it had a slightly kind of sourdough flavour, um, both the dough and the final cookies. Um, so I kind of liked it, but it was definitely an acquired taste um, and I was sort of found it surprising. <laughs> Um, but I did kind of like it It was quite a complex flavor. And I think that might be partly what happens when you leave it in the fridge for a very long time is that you get some of those sour kind of notes developing and leading to a more complex grown up kind of cookie. Um, yeah, but I was making those with ch- min- uh with milk chocolate and pecans and ganache. I accidentally burnt a lot of my pecans. I was trying to do too many things at once, as usual. Um, So I didn't have quite as many in there as I would have liked. Um, uh, But I had some leftover ganache. So I shoved that in. Uh, What I did was I sort of put it into the middle. um, And then I tried to kind of bring the cookie up the sides. And then used a teeny bit of leftover dough to just plunk on top. Um, to try and sort of encase it to an, an extent, it wasn't fully encased, and then I um, popped all of the all, all those balls of cookie dough in the freezer um, and was baking from frozen because of their because they were kind of matured <laughs> accidentally. Um, they took a lot longer to bake, so I had to definitely had a few minutes onto my baking time as well. Um, but I did quite. We have been enjoying those. Um, and we've been kind of varying our cookie intake between those and the dime ball ones that I made, um, previously because they're both in the freezer. Um, so I think we're getting close to a good base recipe. So I will share that when I'm ready, when it's, when I feel like it's perfected. Um, talking of perfected recipes, I made even more sweet bread buns, um, I did, however, use I had to use spelt flour, white spelt flour, which affected their strength and they weren't as strong and holding their shape as I would have liked. Um, But they were still very delicious and I still would really highly recommend my base recipe, by the way, which is under the kind of cardamom buns post on the website, flowerbutereggsjugar.com. Um, Yeah, anyway, I I stuffed some sweetbread brands with um, mascarpone and chocolate. They were really, really nice. Um, I tried to put jam in there too. Well, I did put some jam in, but it was kind of lost, I think, among the chocolate. So a bit of refining needed. Um, I'll still be continuing to work on those until I get it right. Um, And then also, I think I've mentioned it before, perhaps... But I am completely and utterly obsessed with the Earl Grey Yogurt Cake on the Bon Appetit website. Completely and utterly obsessed. Um, so I I don't even know if it was this week or last week, but I just love that so so much. Um, I can't recommend it highly enough. I did convert it to grams, so if any of you want me to provide the the conversions, then. Let me know. Um, flowerbutter extra at gmail.com. Um, and I can do that, but um it's yeah, but it's really, really good. Um yes, that's what I've been up to. And next I'm going to be talking about all of them, well, a lot of the many, many uses for tinned pears. So let's go. So the key thing with tinned pears is that they can basically be used like cooked fresh pears in loads and loads and loads of different recipes and if you see a recipe where you are poaching the pears um, you can basically skip that step and just go forward forward to using the pears in the recipe they are slightly different um, from cooked fresh pears they're slightly sweeter depending on how much Sugar you put in the poaching li- liquid, uh, they have a slightly different texture. Um, then might it depend? Again, it kind of depends on the pears that you use, and things like that. They're very soft and yielding. The tinned pears, um, and and poached pears are too, but it's sort of in a diff- different way, less uniform way. Um, but I love tinned pears, they're so convenient, they're so delicious, and their texture is fab. Um, So I really love using them, and I've got absolutely no qualms about it whatsoever. Um, And so with that in mind, I had a little look around the internet, and I found some really fab ways that you could use them. Um, So first of all, um, I found that the baker's alma- the bakersalmanac.com was a really useful resource for thinking about things that you could pair with pears um <laughs> pun unintentional um so obviously chocolate you know is classic and delicious um different spices so ginger or cardamom or vanilla or cinnamon I wouldn't necessarily recommend all of those together um although some of them might go well together um pear goes well with almonds of course it does whether whether it's ground or flaked um pear goes well with different berries and cherries which i hadn't really thought of before um so i think i'm going to be thinking about how i can pair pears <laughs> Pair pears and and cherries or or other types of berries together. Um, Pears go well with hazelnut as well and walnut, of course. They go well with orange zest or clementine zest. I saw a number of recipes that use that. They go well with caramel. But of course, and if you want to go double tin, you can do tinned, um, tinned caramel or tinned dulce de leche with tinned pears come on you can't it's so so good Um, and pears also go well with like dairy so particularly cultured dairy products like creme fraiche mascarpone uh cream cheese so those are just a few different uses for pears things that you might want to put with them and i noticed some recipes using you know, quite a lot of different, uh, of different bits and bobs in it. So for example, there's a rookmini Aya recipe where she uses pears, um, they're fresh in the recipe and she uses those with chocolate and creme fraiche and almonds all in one. So you can definitely, you know, pick more than one off the list to go with the pears. Um, And then in terms of some some kind of actual written recipes that I thought would be worth looking at, if you're interested, um, there's a recipe for pear and frangipan buns on Ed Kimber's website, where he uh, also adds raspberry jam. I thought that sounded really good. Obviously, pear and almond, pear and berries, tick, 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 tick. Sounds delicious. Um there's a recipe by Justine Patterson, which I think is just on the BBC website, for a chocolate and pear squidgy pudding. Sounded absolutely delicious. Um the previously mentioned Rook Mini Eye recipe for um spiced pears with almond chocolate and creme fraîche. So that is again it's also got the spicing, so it's like so many of the things that go well with pears, all in one dish. And then I also um, saw various recipes for a kind of quick pear crumble. Uh, crumble is just so uh, ridiculously easy. It's 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 simply um, rubbing in like flour and butter, and then adding some sugar, and then just dumping that on top. Well, not dumping it, sprinkling it arranging it on top of whatever you want um there's loads of recipes online so i'll 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 rely on you to do that for you, to do that um looking for yourselves um and also there's a really nice hidden pear cake recipe by benjamina abueli so that's worth looking at as well she uses fresh pears i think this might be the one case where maybe it is better to use fresh pears here but I'm really tempted to try it with with uh, tinned pears and see how it goes, because it it I think it would still work, but it would just be slightly different. Uh, so just, you know, just a few ideas for you about different ways to use tinned pears. Oh, and then one I've forgotten to, ri- to write down is there's also a pear and chocolate pudding by Jack Monroe where they have they actually blend the pears um before using them so that's quite nice like if you're somebody who's not really that keen on the texture of tinned pears but you like the flavor then that's definitely worth checking out Um, and it's one that is on their website it's also in their book tin can cook so yeah definitely worth looking at that one too Okay so just a few little things that you could do with tinned pears and next I'm going to be talking about what I did with them this time which was a pear, ginger and almond cake. Right let's see how that went. So I really love Rukmini Aya, she is my favourite food writer Um, and this is based on one of her recipes but I adapted it quite heavily based on kind of what I had in the house, what I felt like making, um, the ingredients that I kind of added. So, um, But this is originally a pear gingerbread, but it's sort of more like a cake really than anything else, which is from uh, one of the roasting tin books, but it's also available online. So I will link to it on the on the website, which is flourbuttereggsugar.com. Um and it's I think it's available on the happy Foodie website um so what I started with was the ingredients as you do, so I started with um sixty grams of salted butter. You could definitely use unsalted with a pinch of salt. You could also definitely use a vegan butter here um I think this rest the whole recipe can actually be adapted to be vegan, so I'm gonna um add those instructions too. Um, Then you want 125 grams of some sort of soft brown sugar, light or dark. Um, The original recipe I think calls for dark, but I think I had just had light in the house, but either would work really nicely. Um, It gives it a really nice caramel kind of flavour. Then you want 115 grams of self-raising flour or plain flour with... Two thirds a teaspoon of baking powder, which is what I did because I don't really keep self-raising flour in the house. You want two teaspoons of ground ginger. Um, a teaspoon of vanilla paste if you've got it, but it's not that important. It kind of complements the ginger, but the ginger should be the most prominent flavour with, with in addition to the pears. Then you want 100 millilitres of milk, preferably whole or... If you, if not semi skimmed, that's what I had. I think. Um, I mean, I think other milks would work too. I think that a uh, plant milk would work. Um, so it's. I think that's that. This one's fairly flexible. But um, yeah, I think like whole is 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 ideal if you've got it. Then a UK large egg, which is US extra large, so it's about sixty grams in weight. So you could just use two small ones and weigh 60 grams out um and now if you're making this for somebody who's vegan or doesn't eat eggs then you could definitely replace this with um egg replacer so just follow the instructions on the on the packet but this 100 percent is only one egg in, in the cake and i think um this is the sort of thing that egg replacer is designed for basically Then you want a tin of pears, obviously, so I used a 415 gram tin of pear halves in syrup. But you could definitely use pear halves in juice, you could use pear quarters. Um, It just happened to be what I could get from my supermarket. Um, And the drained weight of that was 230 grams. And I cut those pear halves again into quarters. So I ended up with pear quarters anyway. Because then you get quite a nice distribution throughout the whole cake. And also a couple of handfuls of flaked almonds. So this is my cheeky addition. um, Because I thought it just worked really well. And something I think I forgot to mention was with the sugar. With the the brown sugar. Rukminiaya says to have a few pinches to put on the top, and I think that's a really nice idea. So I did do that. So hundred that was so just to go back to that is one hundred and twenty five grams of the brown sugar with a few pinches extra. I think if you run out of sugar, then it's really not a big deal. But or you could use demerara maybe, but it's just it's quite nice. It just adds a little bit more caramelization to the top. So. The method is that you will preheat your oven to um 180 degrees C or 160 degrees fan or 350 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, sort of standard really for a cake. You want to grease and flour or grease and line um and a sort of appropriately sized dish for a small cake. Um, I used one that was 20 centimeters and round. Uh, in the original recipe, she calls for something a bit bigger. Uh, which I wasn't necessarily convinced by, because maybe it's just that there's more pear in it, actually. But I felt like the dish I used was about the right size. Um, It's not huge. It's quite a small amount of cake, really. Um, Sort of ideal in quarantine, if there's only a few of you. Then you want to cream and butter the sugar for a few minutes. Um, I've recently learned that I wasn't really creaming my butter and sugar well enough before. So I really do kind of go for it now. Um, and obviously you want like room temperature butter for that. Um, or you could use, you, I sometimes will stick the butter in the microwave just to soften it. But you have to be sort of quite careful. Um, because what, if your butter is melted, it's not going to cream. Um, so then I would actually add a tablespoon of flour, which is slightly off piece from the original recipe. Um, but that's because I found that it's a fairly small amount of butter and sugar. Adding the whole egg at once, did it didn't really emulsify properly. So I would add a tablespoon of flour. Um, out of the, out of out of the out of the, um, kind of 115 grams that you've got of flour, then I would add the egg, and then I would mix that. So it just helps it to, sort of um, emulsify and not be, sort of coagulate. To be totally honest, it it's not really, it doesn't really matter that much, um, because you've got like baking powder going in so and it will mix together so it, you it, it just it does affect the lightness of the cake slightly but it's not really the biggest deal um if it looks curdled I would just carry on um add your, add your dry ingredients just crack on it's fine um so then you will mix in the milk um and just again like room temperature milk is ideal because it will mix better because all the other ingredients should be room temp too. Um, but again it's not like. It's really not the end of the world. It's This is a really straightforward cake. So it's not. It's not like a, a Genoese or something. It's, it'll probably cope. Um, okay so you then. Transfer the cake batter to the tin. Or to the dish. And you will. Then push in the pear, pear quarters. Um in a nice pattern so that they're sort of distributed throughout so you can always get a slice with pear in it then you sprinkle over the pinches of brown sugar followed by scattering over the flaked almonds now if you wanted to you could leave out the almonds Uh, you could also um, sorry I'm just thinking you could also like uh, toast them separately um, and then just put them on at the end so it's really quite a flexible recipe. It's not you don't ha, you don't and you don't, you don't have to follow that step. What I would say is that because my oven cooks everything from the bottom, if yours tends to cook things from the top, you may want to leave them till the end, or you may want to kind of cover the top of the cake in foil towards the end of the baking time because uh just in order to sort of avoid the flaked almonds on the top burning right so you will then bake the cake for about 20 minutes um and then what you could there are there are some different ways that you could serve it so you could leave it to cool slightly and serve it warm if you would like to serve it more as a kind of cake that you're going to snack on and slice slice um throughout the day then you would want to leave it to cool completely because you don't basically because the by slicing it you can you can kind of compress uh the cake but you could also just like slice some bits and eat them and then leave some other bits for the, for later really up to you but if when you're yeah as I say when you're when you slice into something um when it's still warm you're kind of compressing the cut the crumb um so it can affect the lightness of the the final cake and there's lots of different ways that you could serve this so you could serve it with custard you could serve it with whipped cream I think I did that for one of the times we ate it that was really yummy. You could serve it with, um, oh, like some sort of jam or or some sort of marmalade, perhaps. I think there's lots of different things that you could do with this. Um, so this is a really simple, straightforward recipe. Nothing went wrong. There wasn't really anything to worry about. It all went off perfectly well, and the reason why that. I I really enjoyed this recipe and so did my partner is it's got a lot of interesting textures. So it's got the really soft pears, it's got the kind of springy cake and then it's got the crunchy almonds. So that's three really interesting textures. The level of spicing is correct. It might seem like quite a lot for this amount of uh, cake batter. But it just makes it really nice and quite gingery without being overwhelming, so it it's got a good level of spicing, and it's got a nice mix of flavors too, so it's got the hot ginger, it's got the kind of sweet, subtle fragrant pears it's got the you know nuttiness obviously from the almonds, so it's 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 rather kind of beautiful flavors too and of course the sort of caramelly tones um, from the brown sugar too. So really simple, really easy, straightforward bake. Anybody I reckon can make this. I really don't think it's a problem and I would love to see people making it. So if you do have a go at this and you want to share your results, then you can... Um email me, it's flowerbutter sugar at gmail.com. You can come and join our Facebook group. If you search flower, butter butter, eggs, comma, sugar podcast listeners, you should be able to find us. Details of these are all are are also on the website, which is flowerbuttereggsugar.com. You could also leave me a voicemail via the website. So um that would that would be fun if you wanted to do that um but yeah i um, i really hope that uh you have enjoyed listening to this episode today um and then what's left for me is just to tell you what's going to come next okay so up next in tintastic month is peach slices an absolute classic but i'm hoping to use them in a slightly different way so From what you may be used to if you've ever had them before. Um, They're quite retro. But I'm hoping to use them in some vegan muffins. So I'm quite excited to try that out. Um, And then what we're going to do after that is, I've not quite decided on the order yet. But one of the next episodes after that will be um, about condensed milk and how amazing it is as an ingredient. And how to use it in different recipes, including tres leches cake. And also we're going to be having a look at fr- um, fruit cocktail, uh, tinned fruit cocktail, and how to use that in in a bake. So it should be very exciting and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for listening. It's been lovely speaking to you again. And um i hope i hope everything's okay where you are and take care happy baking and um thanks again to my sis for our jingle at the start all right see you next time bye